Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode one eighty one of Below the Belt. Um, back with Paul Zanon. How are you, mate? The people ask for it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, what day is it today? Tuesday. It's exactly a week ago since I saw you uh, in the flesh, as I say, at the uh, Muhammad Ali Rumble in the Jungle rematch in Canada Water. That was a good night, wasn't it? It was good. It was. Um, yeah, no, it was really good. Um, it was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, so, for people that don't know, there's a. It's down in uh, Canada Water, isn't it? It's down in Canada Water, um, in London, and it's a. I would call it like an interactive play. Is that fair? Is that a fair kind of description of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what they've done is they've um, they've tried to choreograph uh, as much of the historical event as possible. Everything from the press conferences. Uh, through to the actual fight itself, very clever. I mean, you know, you've got like the fight, the actual real fight going on in the background, and they're there doing the uh, doing the moves, and it's very, very good. You know, we've got to put hours and hours to make sure that was spot on. Um, but then you've got the likes of Don King walking around, and you know, you, you say to him, "Can I have a selfie?" And the next thing he's going, "Okay, man, yeah, of course." But do you want to come and see the press conference now? We're going to go. We're going to go. And you're thinking, "Okay," and you kind of, you know, all of a sudden you're immersed into this uh, um, this particular nostalgia you know you're, you're there 1974 Zaire and um you suddenly end up in this uh this press conference and um you've got all of these guys uh the, the security guys from Zaire you know from Abuto's um crew who start to go everyone including David Frost and uh, it's just so well done it really is and um uh you know it's, the, the the cups that they had the other plastic cups I think me and you nicked a couple each and they're, they're great little mementos you know so uh but um, yeah, great night, and uh, big thanks to Luke Williams for sorting us out for that. But uh, 
yeah, it was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was really good, and uh, yeah, it was it was not it was something unlike anything I'd ever been to before. Uh, and we saw actually another thing. I saw Ben Shalom walking by when he walked past a few times. I didn't get a chance to say hello to him, but he was there. I think it may have been a you know, a press night or something because there was a few noticeable people there that night, uh, other than yourself, of course. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. Um, yeah, it was really really interesting. Um, yeah, like you said about the choreography of the boxing, they were doing the stuff as they were doing. They were showing the real fight on the big screen behind behind them they obviously had the arena kind of set up for the actual fight itself and then you had all the entertainment beforehand and what was amazing about kind of the actors is that they were on for four hours weren't they or you know three and a bit hours they were on in character the entire time um so that was what was really interesting about it yeah yeah so yeah you're absolutely right thanks to luke williams for sorting us out uh for that because it was good fun it was a good night um it's been a little while since you've been on paul um has there been anything that's in the boxing world that's kind of got your goat or really made you happy or something you've really enjoyed or something that's really annoyed you? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, so I I think we, you know, everything we're going to discuss, to be honest, uh, probably ticks all of those boxes. I I, um, I was away last week in a, in Nepal doing some charity work and um, I come back on the Saturday night and uh, and I thought, let's see how long I can stay up, jet lag and all that shit. And... Uh, I'm actually actually have no problems at all. And I thought, right, you know, I'm I'm going to watch this uh, this Fury fight. You know, I I was adamant I wasn't going to watch, but I was just intrigued. I was, I was, to be honest, I was actually looking forward to the undercards more than anything. And um, and then I was like, well, I've got this card, so I may as well watch it. And they're going on about this big extravaganza. You know, stay in your seat, watch this, and you know, this pyrotechnics display, and all these people are going to be singing and dancing. What a load of pony! Absolute crap it really was honestly i have seen better intros and ring walks done by sort of six-year-olds at primary school that was a load of shit if saudi are looking at trying to sort of be the premier venue you know kick out the likes of madison square garden everything that's been offered in las vegas and all the places around the world they got a long way to go i don't give a shit how much they paid everyone to get there they've got every single wbc world champion that's ever been still breathing on the planet to go there on that but the production was total and utter pony it really was and um yeah i mean uh, if if i can actually make it you know we'll, we'll, we'll reverse but if i'm going to go straight into the actual sort of main event itself um yeah that was pretty much equally as pony as well i mean you've got you've got tyson fury who's saying he's been in 12 weeks of training training for what i'm not sure um didn't really look in that great a shape i mean it, it's not the weight. The weight for Fury is not the thing. You know, when he fought against Wilder, he fought the second time, he wasn't far off 20 stone, but it was it, it was a 20 stone unit. Whereas this time, it looked a little bit flabby. Um, the very first punch he threw was the, the right hand, and it went straight through the guard of, uh, of Francis. And I thought to myself, this is going to be over soon. It's going to be like a public execution. Um, but he pulled back, and I thought, well, you know what he's doing here. Yeah? He's, uh, he's he's doing it for the crowds, doing it for the audience. He wants to show that, you know, he can extend it a little bit and then sort of dismantle him. Well, he gets caught in that in that, in that round, and was it third round, um, with that left hook, and it was just over his um, his right ear, just over the central nervous system, and that scrambled him. When you see him on the floor, you see his eyes wide open, and I think a lot of other fighters will have got up from that. And uh, he gets up, and um, he seemed very hesitant from there on. 
And uh, even though the accidental stroke, definitely not accidental, um, elbow to uh, Ngannou's face landed absolutely spot on. We have to remember that Ngannou's been hit with elbows pretty much his whole fighting career. That's what he does in MMA. Did not flinch a muscle, absolutely nothing. Carried on going forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it was a close fight in terms of Ngannou is, is, is a very basic fighter. He, he will, you know, he's pretty much walking forward in his MMA style. In other words, uh, a boxer will tend to lead with their, with their shoulder, make a much narrower target. And he was going sort of walking flat, as, as flat as you could, giving a Fury maximum target. And um, I don't know what happened, whether Fury got a little bit sort of gun-shy, whether a bit scrambled from the, uh, from the, the blow to uh, Francis Ngannou, whether he was already thinking about the rematch and uh, you know, make it look close and then I'll come back and, um, and beat him. But um, yeah, it, it, it was a shit fight. It really was. And uh, Francis, fair play to him, he's gone in there. He, he didn't go to dance. So yeah, he generally went to try and knock him out. Um, it's done Fury's stock absolutely no good. It's almost like it's cancelled out so much of the goodness he's done in the past. The only way he's really going to come back for this with Gusto is first if he blitzes Ngannou in like a round and then takes on the Joshua fight and uh, and does something there. But otherwise, yeah, absolute crap. Really was. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it was, it was, it was not good. It was not good. And I think I was talking to someone about that fight the other day actually, and um, when you for a long time he's been and I've said this, I said this in the last pod. He's been boxing kind of, you know, people that are quite flat footed, you know, Dylan White and Derek Chisora and, you know, you know, even Francis Ngannou. So he's not a proper, you know, not a someone that, you know, you wouldn't call him a world class boxer. Um, and you can't just go from, you know, doing everything in second gear and then taking on Alexander Usyk and ramping it straight back up to fifth gear again. That's just that's not going to happen. And once you let yourself kind of drift like that as an athlete, once you let yourself kind of just drift and tread water and not really not really be at maximum kind of uh, capacity while either in camp or in the ring it's very hard to get back to that level again and I think most people if you'd have asked them before that fight um, who would you fancy between Fury and Usyk most people would have picked Fury because of the size and you know everything else I think now I don't know what the betting odds are but I think if you was to ask most people now, you'd you'd have Usyk as a as a pretty heavy favourite, I would suggest, because you can't put in a performance like that against an MMA fighter. Usyk doesn't, you know, Usyk would have destroyed Ngannou, and Ngannou, fair play to me, did great. I was, you know, made a fan of me that night. Um, but you know, you you you'd have to make Usyk a very a very comfortable favourite now going into them two having their match, which looks like it's going to be February now, Paul. Is that a surprise to you that, you know, that they've gone from the December date to February? Oh. So, I mean, you know, the day before the fight, Fury's doing his usual thing of, um, you know, everyone's a shit house, Everyone is um, not worthy of being in a ring with him. Um, everyone is, is below him. And, um, yeah, if, if Usyk, you know, if he tries to step away from his contract from the 23rd of December... He's breaching contract. And the first thing he says after the fight is, you know, I'll see you all next year sometime, you know? And that's straight away, like, well, it's not happening on the 23rd then, is it? You know? So, um, and uh, from Usyk's perspective, he must have been thinking, well, that's, you know, uh, that's not great. And his, his people afterwards went online and basically said, well, you're breaching contract now. So, obviously, what's happening now is they've gone to Usyk. Listen, here's, I don't know, $10 million. Keep you happy. 
you know, go, go and sit, you know, in your little palace for a little while and uh, we'll, we'll knock on the door and we'll make sure we give you a proper payout and you come back to Saudi and, uh, you know, we'll give you a few a few million dollars in Rolexes, you know. So, um, but uh, in the meantime, it's just making a mockery of it. What's really annoying is uh, the best fights that were happening, um, majority went under the radar. You know, for me, the best boxing that's happened in the last sort of fortnight has been at 130 pounds and um, hardly anyone knows about that. Mm, yeah, you're right. That was a really good fight, wasn't it? The Joe Cordina fight. We'll we'll we'll, cu- we'll touch on the Saudi undercard in a minute, but um, that was really interesting. And, and Joe Cordina, you know, he, he scored that one punch knockout to win the title. Obviously, he had to vacate because he he hurt his hand, and then he's come back. Um, he's won the title back, uh, and then and then he's he's put in this performance against Edward Vasquez. It was a, it was a good, really good contest, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, I, I thought it was a cracking contest, and. Um... I mean, I, you've got to feel for Vasquez a little bit. Um, you know, two two judges give it eight to four. It, it was never that, that that far away. The draw was maybe sort of nearer to it. I, I think Cordina did enough to, to win it by a round. Um, and an absolute max too, but certainly a round. It's a very, very close fight. But um, I think that he, he did the more eye-catching stuff. Uh, Vasquez was probably... He was like a little Rocky Balboa in there. He was quite a suffocating little fighter, very, uh, very on you at every second. If 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 you weren't switched on, something was going to come over. And um, another issue was that Cordina was doing great body work, but then Vasquez was catching him with there with left hooks. So body shots don't tend to get looked at as favourably by the judges as as headshots. So, but also Monte Carlo it's a weird place and I remember when I went there to cover Martin Murray's fight back in 2000 November 2016 so I mean those casinos there um, most of the people that are in attendance they are paying a freaking fortune to be there you know ringside is thousands of euros and a lot of people are dressed up to the nines or you know literally wearing like you know sort of uh, black and whites and um, and that particular casino I think doesn't hold more than like a couple of thousand people Uh, it's all down to money again and, um, you know, it's like Golovkin fought a number of times there and, you know, in front of crowds of about 1,800 people. Uh, but if it, if it wasn't for the amount of money that was going there, the likes of Martin Murray would have never made any money in boxing because fighting in, in Manchester and St. Helens and London was not giving him anything at all. So but in terms of a fighter like Cordina, having fought in big arenas before, you know, stadiums and that sort of stuff, and... You've got tens of thousands of people screaming your name, and all of a sudden you're there with a lot of people dressed up in a, you know, black tie, sort of you know, clapping quite mildly and um, nodding their head and stuff every time a punch has landed. It, it it can be a little bit difficult to try and motivate yourself to maybe sort of shift through those gears. So, but either way, I thought it was a fantastic fight, really, really entertaining. I mean, it's just non-stop. Uh, both prepared for it immensely. Um, hats off to the both of them. Um, yeah, that was great. And, you know, you look at a fight like that that not that many people actually tuned into versus that shit in, in Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about the headline card, you know, because I, I thought the, uh, we'll come on to it, you know, the, the, the Wardley fight I thought was very good, actually. But, yeah, and then um, obviously there was the um, Oshaki Foster fight as well and um, against uh, Eduardo Hernandez. There we go for all the uh, my uh, Latino friends out there. Um, again, absolute belting fight, and uh, you know many had to have Hernandez uh, quite way ahead on the cards. And um, yeah, you know, Oshaki Foster's a, a very, 
very durable fighter. If you're sort of ranking uh, fighters at the moment, he's uh, ranked number two, 130 pounds by many. Number three, we've got Lee Wood, and number four, uh, Joe Cordina. Number one, you've got Navarate, who a lot of people just want to steer the fuck away from because he is a absolute handful and a nightmare for uh, for many. So, um, but yeah, again, the uh, Ashaki Foster and uh, Hernandez fight, not many people know about. It didn't have the publicity. It was fought in uh, Mexico. Uh, Foster had to, to, to win um, in Hernandez's backyard. But what a cracking fight. But round 11, if people haven't seen it, go on and watch round 11. That was absolutely sensational. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, yeah, those two fights were amazing. Absolutely brilliant. You know, it kind of restored my faith in boxing. And um, now, you know, in terms of Cordina, I think, you know, we've, we've discussed before that he's he was saying that he just wants to have one more fight at 130 pounds and then move up to, uh, to 135. So if he's looking to have one more fight at 135, I highly recommend that he doesn't go and fight Navarrete because I think he could do a number on him. Um, but I think the fight that we all need to see, and I think it could be uh, an absolute belter, has got to be Lee Wood against Joe Cordina all day long. Yeah, no, Lee Wood and Joe Cordina. Yeah, yeah that, that, that would kind of make sense. Am I right in thinking that Joe Cordina's boxed at lightweight before? Pretty sure he has, isn't he? Did he start there? Yeah, no, he had boxed at, um, boxed at lightweight. He fought um, uh, Joshua Hernandez at lightweight. Um, that was in Brentwood, albeit Hernandez was like just over into the uh, into the lightweight limit. Um, but yeah, no, he he actually yeah he started off at, at started off at one thirty, and then his next one, two, three, four fights were at one thirty five. Mm-hmm. And we fight the likes of, you know, Jamie Spate and people like that. There's, you know, more, more sort of journeyman. He actually had a fight at 142 pounds against Lee Connolly as well. Um, wow. And then uh, his first fight at 130 was against uh, Mario and Enrique uh, Tinoco, who he fought in Monte Carlo. And, um, and then from there on, it was it was pretty much, apart from the Hernandez fight, it was pretty much all at 130. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for his frame and his age, uh, 135 would be a, a good move. My only fear is that he lacks power even at 130. So how's he going to do at, at 135? Yeah, he, he looked absolutely enormous on Saturday. He looked huge compared uh, to Edward Vasquez. Um, it was funny when I was reading uh, Edward Vasquez's name, I found myself saying Edward instead of Edward, even though they're spelled exactly the same. I don't know why I did. Maybe I was just overcompensating. Sometimes we do that. Um, but yeah, I've decided I'm calling him Edward. Um, 
But yeah, he looked huge, Cordina. He looked massive. He looked at least like a junior welter, if not a welter. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did move up at some point because I think Eddie Hearn said afterwards, Eddie Hearn actually, he made some really good points. He said, you know, you don't want to get to, you don't want to get it. You don't want to have one fight too many at the weight. I'm paraphrasing. But, and, uh, but then he also said, but when you've got a belt, it's difficult to give a belt up. You know, he's a world champion at, at 130 and you can, you know, look at the landscape of 135 right now. You've got Devin Haney, who's got, you know, all four belts, but he's kind of dipping his toe into 140. Um, and so there's not really a lot of options there for, for Cordina. He's not a WBO titleist, so he doesn't. He's not automatically going to get a shot. If he was a WBO titleist, though, if he was to move up, he would automatically become the mandatory. That's not the case because he's the IBF champion. Um, so there's a, there's a few things there for Cordina, but you know, I thought I thought he just about did enough to win the fight. Um, I thought seven five would have been fine. There was a lot of kind of uproar about you know the one sixteen one twelve, but when you think about it. It's one round. It's one swing round away from a from a seven five. So you know, it's it's he's just got one, perhaps one more close round than than you'd expect him to. Um, you know, seven five, I think would have been absolutely fine. Um, so eight four, yeah, a little wide, definitely a little wide. But you know, these things happen, I guess. Um, and hopefully Vasquez can get another fight at some point because he deserved it. You know, a guy that's coming to the come into that with three knockouts, so not really a puncher. But he's come into it and, you know, he's given a right good showing. Um, maybe he gets the Foster fight or something like that. But I was really pleased for Foster, for him to go over to Mexico. One of the judges had him losing every round, Paul. Had him losing every single round. And he's managed to pull it out and get the stoppage. And fair play to the ref because the, the, it, it was a good stoppage for me. I thought it was a good stoppage from the referee. Um and you know it seemed like everything was stacked against Foster and he's just managed to pull it out I was really pleased for him and hopefully now he can go and get the really really big fights um, or get a unification you know at, at the very least um, but yeah let's talk about um, the undercard over in Saudi because we didn't I didn't really get to talk about it last time with, with Flav because you know I think we was both so surprised at what happened in the main event you know, um, i.e., you know, whether you look at it as Ngannou's kind of performance or Fury's non-performance, I think we were so taken by that and the ramifications of that that we didn't really talk about the the undercard. But the, um, yeah, I think you're right when you say Fabio Wardley stopped it, stopped David Adelaide. There was a lot of kind of beef and a lot of a lot of stuff went on pre-fight, but my feeling before the fight was that Wardley would stop him, uh, and he looked he looked a level above, didn't he, Paul? He looked a level above. He looked a weight division above, to be honest. Like, um, Adelaide kind of looked like a, a bit of a bumped-up cruiserweight. Um, you, you know he's got power. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think Wardley was kind of prepared for that. And um, whenever the punch was being thrown, yeah, he kind of got hit. But they were never, they were never going to be in danger of, uh, of knocking him out. Um, he fought a very clever game, kept him at distance, uh, worked his jab very well, opened him up nicely. And, um, yeah without a doubt he was you know so it's a bit of a worn out phrase but there's certainly levels in that fight and um wardley was well above him the the bit where he sort of he knocks him down and uh adelaide's there with his sort of tongue sticking out in it which is basically blooded to hell um and he's sort of there sort of looking at him as if sort of say yeah you know i'm, I'm gonna come and get you well that's never gonna happen and the inevitable did happen when it was stopped again you know i think the referee 
um, did the right thing by stopping it. Um, was it premature? Ten seconds later, I think exactly the same thing would have happened. So I, I'd like to see Wardley now in something a little bit more engaging. You know, uh, his fellow undercardee uh, in terms of um, Joe Parker for an absolute bum of the month. I don't yeah. give a shit what his record said. This guy from Canada who had like what 23, 24 yeah. fights and um, like twenty-two knockouts. All of the fights in Canada, all of them against bums. He actually lost one of those fights and then came back and knocked the bloke out. But, uh, yeah, it, it was absolute trash. Now, putting in someone like Fabio Wardley against an ex-world champion, that would be a good, you know, that would be a good one. And, um, but I don't think we need to go overseas in terms of the fighters there. We've got the likes of Daniel Dubois, we've got Joe Joyce. Um, is he ready for them? I know it's a step up, but, you know, 16 knockouts and 17 fights. I think there'll be a lot of fear from, from the other guys in the, uh, in the British heavyweight division. So... He's, um, you know, he's, he's totally proven himself with the likes of Nathan Gorman, and uh, and now, you know, Adelaide was just a, a, a grudge match. I don't think he was. I think he took that match and just to sort of shut him up, not to show that he was wanted to get up the rankings. And that was a personal bit of beef there. Um, so yeah, Wardley, very good fight, a very good performance, kept his head, and uh, I hope he gets a much bigger fight next. It's uh, it's annoying when you see the likes of uh, Bacoli coming in, weighing twenty or so. <coughs> Excuse me, I was coughing because I had a, a wasp in my mouth there, and um, and then the next thing, yeah, you know, he wins the fight. Apparently, he gets stung by a wasp, and he beats you know Takam, who was almost as old as Luis Ortiz in there. You know, he's in his forties, and um, he was just getting battered. He's got no lateral movements, just just a punch bag. And back in the day, Takam was hard as hell. I remember seeing him when he fought against uh, Chizora, and they had a right old shootout there, but. Um, seeing him in there was was, was pitiful. It was horrible. And um, I was ringside when Bacoli got got beaten like a dog against um, Michael Hunter. And uh, Hunter's being, you know, Bacoli's there going, I'll fight anyone who's up. And you see Hunter sort of going, you know, on Twitter, hello, hi, you know, doing the little wave, but that nothing goes completely silent. Michael Hunter's a very, very difficult fighter. Some people say blown up cruiserweight, whatever. Mm. Uh, he's done very well at heavyweight. And as a cruiser, he's one of the few that actually lasted the distance with uh, Alexander Rusik. So, um, very, very good fight, a very tough, great movement, uh, handful to anyone. And, and because of that, nobody wants to fight him. You know, when's the last time Michael Hunter's fought? So, uh, but in the meantime, Bacoli goes on in front of this shit show in, um, in, in Saudi Arabia and basically ends up by walking over uh, a very, very vintage um, Carlos Takam. So, yeah. Again, crap. As, as with um, Joseph Parker, total and utter shite. What's that done for their uh, for their records? Put another win on there. Big deal. Total crap. And the thing with those is, Paul, if you're going to put, you know, Bacoli and you know Joseph Parker and um, Fabio Wardley and all of them basically on that card, the the plan really should be to match them together afterwards. Really, they should be looking to make you know Bacoli against Parker. Or Wardley against Parker, or Parker, you know, um, Bacoli against Wardley, you know. Um, but will they get made? Who knows? I don't think so. Um, I was just wondering. I was just. You said when did Michael Hunter last four? And I couldn't tell you. Uh, I was just quick. Just going to quickly look it up while you were talking, um, because he's the last time I remember him. You know, obviously beat Bacoli. Uh, he drew, did he draw with Pavetkin? I think he drew with Pavetkin on a Joshua undercard. I think it was Ruiz two, uh, Joshua Ruiz two, um, and I, I can't tell you the last time he boxed. But you know, a really good fighter who's p- 
painfully avoided when you're when when you're avoided by the guy that says he's avoided you know you're really avoided like he's no one wants any part of him really any idea when he last boxed yeah so he uh, he last boxed in september of last year against miguel Cubos in uh i'm not even going to try and pronounce it it was in in mexico wow. and um before then, he had a draw against uh, Jerry Forrest. <sighs> Never heard of him. Um, that was in uh, New York. Mm. Uh, he beat Mike Wilson, Sean Flaggerty. Again, they were both in America. Wow. And then he had the um, yeah, he had the draw against Pavetkin in um, in Riyadh back in December of 2019. Wow. Uh, yeah, he's just a very, very uh, avoided fire. He's um, before all of that. His only his only loss, in fact, is against Usyk. So uh, he's, he's 35, but he's he's still very fresh, you know. So uh, I, I feel sorry for him. I really do. I think I think you know he's, he's one of those fighters that um, he just hasn't been given an opportunity. But but I was just reading today or heard today that um, Richard uh, um, Reactor is going to be making a um, a reappearance. Ooh. So that's good because uh, I would still like to see him in you know the fight that everyone back in the day wanted to see was him against uh, Lawrence Sicoli. That could still be a good fight, but. Um, him to fight against uh, Chris William Smith, who's obviously done incredibly well since they fought. Mm. That's the only loss that William Smith has on his uh, on his CV. So uh, I think that would be a great rematch. And Richard Riapol is, you know, tough fighter, six foot five, uh, comes out firing. Uh, he's got great tools to him, great lateral movement. Um, so yeah, that again, that could bring us back to real boxing real boxing you know yeah absolutely and you know it's, you know boxer have kind of got a little lock on the cruiserweight division um other than other than jay opatio who's with matram but you know a lot of there's good fighters over there on boxer and so you know it's hopefully they can make you know react poor billum smith is an absolute no-brainer because billum smith's definitely improved since they first fought and i think it was a split decision i incorrectly said it was a tko loss uh, loss for billum smith a few pods ago but it, it was uh i think it was a close decision loss for 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 billum smith and if they can make a rematch there that makes it's an absolute no-brainer you know let let um billum smith get his first defense out of the way in bournemouth you know let react poor have a fight and then let's get it done. Let, let's get it done. And it's the same with with these with these heavyweights that we were just talking about. Um, I realised after I didn't realise until after the fight uh, last Saturday that, that uh, Fabio Wardy is actually a promotional free agent. Uh, he, he's not. He was with Matchroom for a long time, um, and I thought that he just landed on that card because it was a purse bid. It's not the case. He is actually a promotional free agent, so he could land. You know, maybe he could stay with you know with Queensbury and, and get some more fights. You know, maybe he gets to Joseph Parker fight, or he you know he gets the Bacoli fight. I don't know why he'd box Bacoli to be honest. Um, but it's, it, do you know what we're just talking about? How Michael Hunter's avoided, and then the next breath I've said, why would he fight Bacoli? <laughs> because you can't sell. He, no one really knows who he is, Paul. No one knows who Bacoli is. He doesn't sell a ticket, and he's already lost to Hunter. So if, if Fort Wardley beats him, I'm not sure what it means. Um, what was interesting actually was that Bacoli hurt Takam to the body and I remember saying to Sean Brown a few weeks ago you never see a heavyweight hurt to the body it's very rare you see that I don't know if you can think of a you know a heavyweight that was hurt or stopped to the body but it's very rare that you see it happen that, that, that a heavyweight I couldn't think the last time I've seen a heavyweight stopped to the body perhaps hurt um so that was really interesting that that uh, Bacoli was able to do that even though he'd you know he, he like you said, he was three hundred pounds, um, really out of shape. Um, I think he took the fight at quite short notice. Um, 
but he did well to get the stoppage but it's time for him now to move along and for these these guys these guys that are sitting below that kind of world level of Usyk Fury Joshua to kind of fight each other to see who's next to see who can be next because heavyweight right now is kind is not much going on and so I think you know in order to create some excitement what we need to see is these guys below the surface all fighting each other giving us great matchups making good money um and seeing who's next um any thoughts on that paul yeah absolutely listen i mean at the moment in terms of the the heavyweight division yeah you've got joshua who's you know he's there doing like shows with louis Theroux at the moment and um but he's showing his integrity you know he's uh we're not hearing stories of joshua out with 18 women um you know he's uh he's snorting a load of cocaine and he's absolutely shit faced it's not him mm. um you know joshua gets a lot of shit simply due to the fact that he hasn't fought the whole world you know he could have fought king kong and they'd be like okay you you, you did fight king kong but i mean seriously you know when you're going to take on tyrannosaurus rex you know it's, it doesn't matter what it was he's it, there's always been that thing but then when he lost against Usyk twice and um and then he had to fight against the american which was a little bit lackluster he um it's just everyone's sort of saying now what has he got left well you know if he gets into the fight with say Deontay wilder then all of a sudden it's like Okay, right now we've got something. Eddie Hearn is desperate to get the Anthony Joshua um, Tyson Fury fight, but Fury's not mentioning anything about that. Uh, it, it's interesting because Fury's always been like, well, you know, I couldn't give a shit about the money. It's been all about the money for him. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, the Deontay Wilder fights, yeah, that's probably the last time we've seen him not talking about the money, but all these fights he's been having recently, I mean, it's just absolute nonsense, it really is. You know, you want to go down as a legend, um, heavyweight legend. Yeah, you, you've certainly made your mark and you'll be a Hall of Famer at some point. But uh, your resume is quite limited, you know. So um, I'd like to see Joshua fight. I'd like to see him fight soon. He's knocking on to his mid-30s, as they all are at the moment. Mm. We've got the next cohort of big heavyweights that are coming through. America's starting to show promise. Mm. Um, you know, certainly the UK, we've, we've got a few people which... Mm. Uh, are uh, starting to develop nicely. Um, you know, you, you've got a delicious Ori DJ, as he likes to be known. Uh, be interesting to see what happens with him once he's, uh, he's finished as an amateur. You know, hopefully he wins the gold in the Olympics. But um, yeah, I, I think we've got we've got various sort of sugar divisions at the moment within the UK. Uh, the 130 pound division, I think, is is currently flying. I think we've got great fights at 135 as well, but it's that whole thing of like, you know, Jack Catterall, is he going to get the rematch against uh, um, Josh Taylor? God knows what Taylor's doing. And ever since he lost against Teofimo Lopez, so now Lopez has started to make some noise saying he'll take on Catterall and he'll sort him out to show that he's, you know, he's nothing as well. Uh, Jack Catterall gives everyone a very nasty night, whoever he fights. I'm telling you now, he's, uh, I, I remember Jamie Moore telling me ages ago, he said he is a very, very difficult fighter he said he's very awkward and he says he works in very strange angles you know and uh so yeah there's there's a lot of intrigue out there in terms of the heavyweight division having what's you know having supposedly the best heavyweight in the world from british shores going out and fighting in ghana on this shit show in uh, in saudi that doesn't do anything for, for boxing, doesn't do anything for British boxing, doesn't do anything for heavyweight boxing. It really doesn't. It kind of puts the, the whole division into a bit of disrepute as well, you know? Does it, does it, you said about kind of the production values in Saudi and, you know, kind of um, how it looked, the concerts and, 
you know, all of that sort of thing. <laughs> you said you didn't want it, you, you didn't really want to watch the show because of Fury, you know, because of the main event itself. How does it? How do you feel watching? you know cards like that in saudi is is the you know kind of what what saudi are doing with the sports washing does is that a factor for you or is it very much about the fights and if it's entertaining or not well i mean between that between boxing and the football at the moment where they've, they've basically been buying people in and um that that's not something i really like to be honest it's, it, it, you're accelerating the model of uh of, of business or uh, of anything really just 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 with cash i mean it was a who's who of boxing, you know. Fury walks past every single champion there. You've got everything from Joe Calzaghe through to Lennox Lewis. And, you know, you've got Ronaldo ringside, who's given uh, Nganu a like, 100 grand watch before the fight. Um, you've got Eminem sitting there ringside as well. All these people. How much are they being offered to go there? Seriously, we are talking stupid cash. I would love to know how much each one of these famous bases had. And it's that whole thing of sort of saying, you know, saying to people, come along to the fight. You know, we've got all these people coming along. You, you, you've got to come along. You should come mm-hmm. along. Um, yeah, very nice. Uh, you know, it's, it's been happening a little while, but then it's it's like, for example, an Ame Khan fought. Remember that time when he fought, was against Billy Dibb, I think mm-hmm. it was, and they had like a rapper in between each round. It, it's just absolute shit. It really is. See, Monte Carlo I mentioned before, but it's strange we've only got a couple of thousand um, people in attendance, but Monte Carlo is a phenomenal heritage of, of putting on boxing mm. shows. Everything years back, I mean, everything from Martin Hagler fighting there, and uh, the way you got to look at it is two thousand people in attendance ain't no different to your call, and uh, you know you, you can get a serious atmosphere in there. I love going to, to Monte Carlo, small country, um, very safe, and uh, yeah, the fights are, are very different in terms of the the audience that you've got there, and you're not in East London, obviously. Mm. Um, but in terms of Saudi, it's not easy to get to, as in like from here, I'm talking from the yeah. UK and you've got to get visas. Um, it's, it's, it basically makes it an elite venue to go to. If you're going to cover it for, for somebody or well, flip an egg, I think you've got to be part of the, uh, the very big tabloids of the very big, um, broadsheets to be able to go yeah. there or, you know, or you're working for Matrim or, or one of the big promoters because no one's going to pay you. And I'm, my old days of boxing monthly, I wasn't going to get paid, you know, doing as a hobby. Mm. Um, it, it, it was a no-no, absolutely no go. So I'm, t- I'm just not convinced with the whole thing with Saudi. The sad part is it's probably going to continue to to grow yeah. there. Um, I, I just thought it was a shit uh, production. I thought the fights were crap. I thought the uh, this whole extravaganza was complete shit as well. You know, I, I'm going to see a boxing match. I'm I'm not there to you know to see a pyrotechnic show and see like the people singing and rapping that I've never fucking heard of before. You know, so. I'm there to see the fights, and if there's a bit of sweet Caroline in between, then so be it. But otherwise, no, I thought it was shit. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, Eminem's not going out there for a, you know, for a, a nice hotel room and a bit of and a bit of comp kind of tickets and food. You know, he's he doesn't need the money that much. So you know, I I don't think he, he he's short of a few quid. So I don't think he's going out there to you know just for a free hotel room. He's going. He's been paid a fair few quid to go out there. Um, and it's you know Vince McMahon was out there as well, but WWE the whole WWE were out there, so that would make sense why he was out there. The Undertaker, and then yeah, all this kind of all these Hall of Famers, all these champions. Sugar Ray Leonard was out there. Larry Holmes was out there. Um, everybody, Manny Pacquiao, Riddick, Bo, Evander, Holyfield, you name it, they were all yeah, there. Every Floyd wasn't Floyd's. Floyd's got too much moral compass for that sort of thing. But uh, 
Floyd. <laughs> he wasn't there. Um, I think they tried to get him, but he, he, I don't know, he went to the basketball instead. Um, <laughs> he Get went to Miami and Get watched the basketball. Yeah, um, yeah, I just think, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of, and I don't, I don't blame the old timers. You know, maybe they're getting paid a few quid if they're getting fifty grand or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't blame them. Um, but yeah, it, it does leave a bad taste. It, and it, but what it shows is sports washing works. You know, it's it works. It's it's working. Um, they've got the Formula One, WWE are out there, boxing are out there, um, and the, the more they do it, the less people will talk about the regime. They'll just talk about, you know, the events. Um, yeah, the silly concerts. Yeah, I, I, I kind of checked out of that. I put Match of the Day on when they had the concert on. I just muted the TV, muted the laptop, and put Match of the Day on. What? What a load of absolute pony. I mean, if, if I sort of, you know, do a comparison here um, of fight for fights, 1971. Uh, Muhammad Ali fights against Joe Frazier, what's called the, uh, the fighter's century. Um, everyone, it was everyone wanted to be there. Mm. Uh, Frank Sinatra was so desperate to see the fight, they, they, he couldn't get himself a ticket ringside. That's Frank freaking Sinatra. So he ended up by getting a photography pass at Esquire magazine and uh, and became an official photographer for mm. the evening. That's, you know, that's at Madison Square Garden, a mecca of boxing without a doubt. And, um, you know, if we take, for example, the likes of uh, Chantel Cameron, Katie Taylor, uh, you know, Katie Taylor obviously fought at, um, at Madison Square Garden and uh, with, with Serrano, which was which was an amazing fight. The, um, the fight that Cameron and um, and Taylor had uh, in, in Ireland was, was a cracker as well. Um, and now, again, you know, Chantel Cameron, um, she started to make some noise to say, you know, Chris Cyborg, if you want to fight me, um, bring it on. And uh, you know, undisputed against undisputed, and our own different disciplines, and that's got a bit of intrigue to it. Um, in terms of the fact that Chantel was a former uh, multi-time world kickboxing champion, um, but again, you know, Chantel came from fuck all and, and was fighting for absolute dog shit purses. And if she can get a big fight against someone like Chris Cyborg, and it makes her a seven-figure sum, then fantastic. I, I cannot. You know, I, I I can't say no on on that count because mm. it's not like Fury saying you know he's getting paid about thirty or hundred mil to fight in Ghana, whatever it was. That was stupid, stupid money. Um, but Katie Taylor, um, you know, she she only started earning sort of big cash in in recent years, and she, you know she's taken a hell of a lot of punches. Um, it it just annoys me to see that. People have put in all the graft over the years um, and will retire broken, a bit punch drunk to say the least, uh, and not getting the chance to have a bit of Saudi. Everyone wants a bit of Saudi now. Everyone's making a comeback. Everyone wants to be a trainer out there. So, yeah, it, it's just like Jordan Henderson. You know, it's, uh, after the World Cup in Qatar, no, I'm not going to go out to... Um, I'm not going to be going out to the Middle East. Uh, you know, I've got my morals and blah, blah. All of a sudden, hello, I'm off to Saudi. Yeah, well, we know what it's about. You've been paid mega cash money. Yeah, right? yeah. They call it life-changing money, but, you know, Jordan Henson was never going to starve. Let's have it right. He, he, his kids were never going to starve. The geezer was on very, very good money um, at Liverpool, and, you know, he'd have made plenty of money in English football wherever he landed, or European football. He sold out. That's that's the definition of selling out. He sold his morals out. He sold his principles out. Um, and that's and that's fine, but just say it. Just say it. Don't Don't... Don't um, don't pretend it's one thing when it's really another. You know we're not stupid. Um, yeah, 
yeah, I it, it, I do, it do find it difficult sometimes watching, you know, watching the Saudi shows based on what you know what goes on over there. But I suppose every country in the world has its issues. You know, we watch fights in America. America has a, a myriad of issues over there. Um, but yeah, the, the the fact that kind of large portions of society are kind of you know not free to kind of exist when you're talking about gay people and and, and women as well. Um, not so much existing with women, but you know, there's a lot of limitations on them. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult sometimes to 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 separate kind of the sport from you know from from real life. Um, Craig Scott, our friend, he's been on the pod quite a few times. He he, he wrote uh, his latest uh, blog, uh, "Contaminated Food for Four. And I don't know if you read it, uh, Paul. Uh, it came out last week, and he, he basically saying. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Was was the kind of how he was, the way he was talking about boxing, um, about how he was so invested before, um, and now it's just he's just picking and choosing, watching big fights. Sorry, Craig, if I'm completely butchering this. Um, can you relate to that? Hundred percent, one hundred thousand percent. I was actually at a um, boxing writers club uh, meeting yesterday, and now one of the things we sort of just. Discuss that sort of actually sort of you know disclosing the agenda too much, but it was about how um, a lot of people don't know a lot of the fighters these days, or haven't seen a lot of the fighters live because uh, from say pre-COVID, um, you know everything was Frank Warren Matchroom, uh, that was that's pretty much the one back in you know the turn of clock back sort of six six years ago, um, you know boxer was pretty much doing what prize fighter was. It was just a small shows the other three round blitz outs and that's it you know fair play hats off to Ben Shalom he's done very very well in terms of how he's gone on since then but um there are so many promotional companies now and um and boxing fighting they're almost exhibition fights aren't they you know these the likes of uh a Fury fighting against Jake Paul, the other Fury you know Tommy Fury yeah. and um and all that shit it, it's just not boxing and um I, when I used to cover, this is the thing as well, I, I think there's almost like a pre-COVID boxing and a post-COVID because pre-COVID I was writing for Boxing Monthly Magazine, I was writing for Hannibal Boxing, uh, I was writing for a few people and um, I was I was even doing some stuff for Ring Magazine as well and then COVID happens, Boxing Monthly went belly up and um, that's who I used to write for predominantly the most, you know, when I was doing stuff ringside, like yourself, you know, we go along with reports for Boxing Monthly and I actually loved that absolutely loved it when i covered all the world boxing um super series which i couldn't get enough of uh you know york hall o2 you name it i've even forfeit my beloved Queen's park rangers on, on saturdays to go along and cover these shows and i haven't covered a show now in years because firstly boxing monthly went belly up so who am i going to write for well I, I don't really fancy sort of you know sort of scrambling around for the crumbs um or going there with a video camera and, you know, be, being another video reporter. No, it, it, that doesn't attract me at all. You know, I write. I write shit. That's what I do. I don't suddenly just get a video camera from my phone and suddenly say, right, I'm, I'm going to be the next IFL. No, not at all. IFL do a great job of that. There's loads of other people who do great jobs with video cameras and video reporting, which is obviously going to be the way yeah. forward. But in terms of the actual content of what I'm writing about, um, if I'd have been ringside in Saudi covering the, uh, you know, the Francis and Ghana fight against uh, Tyson Fury with all that sort of shit and all the undercards, would that have excited me? Not really, no. Um, 
one of the last fights I remember sort of seeing ringside. I was there with James Luxon at um at the York Hall, and uh, Martin Murray had one of his lads on, and uh, and that was brilliant. And all the undercards were brilliant, and it was really gritty. And you know, people were screaming away. And it was it was back to the old days. I felt like I'd be transported three or four years back in time. You know, so. Um, it almost seems like we need to be going to places like Mexico to see those gritty fights. Um, you know, it, it puts someone like Canelo in a ring um, with one of these MMA guys. I don't think Canelo's got the ability to dance around and carry someone for eight, nine rounds and then sort of gently take them out. I think he'll go and knock them the fuck out. You know, have you seen anyone approaching uh, Derek Chisora to go and uh, you know fight an, an MMA fight? Nah, because he he ain't got no you know sort of ability to dance around and you know this the man who throws. Uh, tables across mm. rooms at yeah, press conferences mm. so um they handpick people they think would be good to uh, to fight against you know these uh these people i mean again the obvious question which everyone states as well mma versus boxing surely if you want to make it a uh, an even fight then you've got to you've got to sort of say why don't we do one round boxing one round mma until someone gets stopped and uh or you do one fight boxing and then you do the return in mma i'll chat with ken shamrock um, a couple of weeks ago, um, who, for the records, at 58 years old, he's still got veins popping out of his arms like proper pipes. And and I asked him, I said, "Listen, you know, Pete Ken Shamrock versus um, Pete Tyson Fury, who would have won?" And he said, "Well, in a boxing ring." He said, "Yeah, without a doubt." He said, "I'm, I'm sure he would have uh, he would have done his thing, and he'd have uh, he'd, he'd have probably stopped mm-hmm. me." He says, "But he says in an octagon, he said he'd have been mine." He says, in under a round, without a doubt. And I, I strongly believe that. So this whole thing of boxers fighting MMA guys, the only one that I think seems to have done it was Marissa Shields in terms of going the other way around. And she wasn't really paid much, and it wasn't much of a fight to look at. Um, Savannah Marshall apparently is going to MMA now as yeah. well, is it? Well, has she had a fight? I don't know. Uh, she's another one. You know, she had, I don't know how much she made with the Clarissa Shields fight, but uh, I think she's been paid dog shit for wages pretty much her whole career as well, and uh, which is very sad. Yeah. And um, if people are having to, to go to MMA just for the uh, for, for the checks and then end up by getting a, a severe elbow to the head and get beaten up, then, yeah, the, the sport of boxing has become unbelievably diluted. It really has. Uh, the, you know, the, the likes of the classic boxing matchups seem to just be falling by the side. And uh, one thing I do say about Tyson Fury, I'm pretty sure that he would have been offered many MMA contests and uh, he's still stayed loyal to boxing as has Usyk as well so uh, you know I don't want to speak too early on that front but um, but yeah how long is it before this, this sport of ours just, just becomes an entire joke you know? yeah it's a little concerning um, I think Shields and Marshall are both signed with PFL and I think the idea is to match them in an MMA fight at some point um, but I think Marshall is injured, isn't she? She's just vacated the WBC super middleweight title. Uh, that's going to be contested uh, at some point um, because she's got an injury, and I think she might end up losing another belt at some point as well because she's, you know, she's got this injury and it's quite long term. But yeah, and then if she's talking about going into the MMA, obviously um, Shields has, has had two fights. I think uh, she lost one, one, one. Um, yeah, then we're going to do an MMA fight. What does that say about boxing? And if it ends up being shit, which I imagine it will, um, yeah, that, well, that's not that's not good for, good for boxing. As well. I'm actually a little worried about boxing, to be honest. I feel like we're going to have a 2000s type slump 
um, where not much is happening. I don't see many new stars coming along. Um, Flav actually put it very well on the last pod when he said, you've got, out of the big three, you've got the best promoter on the worst platform and the worst promoter on the best platform, i.e. Eddie Hearns on Design, which is the worst platform, and you've got Ben Shalom on Sky, which is the best platform. Um, and what, what MMA have got is a near monopoly. UFC is the brand. It's the main league where people want to be. Yes, you've got Strikeforce. Yes, you've got Bellator. But UFC is there, and that everybody knows what UFC is. And boxing has just become even more splintered than it was before with the multiple belts and the multiple promoters. But domestically, at least, you know, it's become incredibly splintered. Um, and I just can't see... There's not really any real names coming up right now. And then you you had Conor Ben coming through and then he fails a drugs test and acted like a complete bellend throughout that process. Um, as well as Matrim acting with completely no class and no faith throughout that as well. Um, it's, it's just really worrying me. I, I, I'm really, really concerned about it. And then, for, and then Fury and Nganu for that fight to happen and Fury, our heavyweight champion, to look like shit and to get beat by a guy that you know, yeah, he's, he's has some experience, uh, or nearly get beat by a guy that you know has some experience, but isn't shouldn't have lasted more than two rounds of fury. Uh, it's a concern to me. I am a little worried they're about to have a lull. I, I think influencer boxing has a has a role in that, but these guys know how to promote themselves. They're promoting themselves, um, and I don't. I think I think promoters a lot of the time are promoting themselves instead of promoting their fighters. Um, it does worry me, um, but. You know, I think it'll pick back up again. I think, I think influencer boxing is peaked. I, I don't think it's going to get to much. I'm not completely convinced it's on the up and up. Um, it doesn't feel. It feels more like entertainment. It feels more like a WWE type sports entertainment. Um, it doesn't. I'm not convinced really that it's completely on the up and up. But how would I? Who would know? Who would know? But um, you know, to see someone. I, th- I think that. Go on. I think the sanctioning bodies have got a hell of a lot to do with yeah. this. I mean, you know, WBC, which used to be, you know, sort of the title which everyone was going to green belt, it's just become a load of bollocks yeah. now, as with the WBA. And they all are, to be honest. Um, and uh, what, what annoyed me about the Fury fight was that you've got, you know, you almost need to sort of compare this to the amateur game. Uh, the amateur game, you need to work your way through divisionals to be able to fight for nationals, then represent your country and, you know, proudly wear your vest and that sort of thing. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you, you do your trials and you go through to the Olympics, you train with, you'll go up to uh, a special centre, depending on which country you are, you go to a special centre and you train together with the team and, and that's it. And you've got Francis Ngannou, who's leapfrogged the entire system and suddenly fighting heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, you know, Muhammad Ali for, um, the, you know, the, the guy... In Japan years back, and um, you know it, it, it has happened. But what I'm saying is, can we not make such a mockery of the system? You've got fighters who have gone through all the gears. You've got someone like Joe Caldina, who you know he's, he's worked his way through the gears, become world champion. Then he gets a title taken away from him, and uh, due to injury. And you've got someone like Tyson Fury, who hasn't defended his world title in God knows how long. Um, and in the old days, WBC said if he didn't defend it in a year, then you lose it. The Joe Cordina loses it, has to come back. You know, he, he loses the only bargaining chip that makes him money, then has to come back and win it again, which is you know, ahead of a task, no guarantee mm. in it. In the meantime, we've got Tyson Fury, he hasn't defended his world title. 
and he's in there jumping around. You know, it's just like it, it just doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. It's it. I've started to lose a bit of faith in the boxing. People even said to me, you know, it's like it's been five years since you've written a boxing book. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I must admit, I, I'm not enthused. I want to write a boxing book. I, I love writing for British vintage mm -hmm. boxing because I'm writing about vintage fighters. I, I get the opportunity to research those greats, research those those fantastic fights from uh, years gone. And that keeps me enthusiastic about the sport, without a doubt. What's currently happening, the here and now, mm -hmm. No, it, it really isn't, you know, like I said, for me, those two fights at 130 pounds were brilliant and very, very annoying. Really pissed me off the fact they did not get nowhere near the coverage they should have. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, we've, I, I think there's, yeah, a few things have happened. I think Matram going to zone, they've done the best thing for them and their business. And I completely understand that, but I don't, I think... For British boxing, it's been really damaging for British boxing for for our, our main promotional platform. At that time, not so much now. I'd say more Queensbury now, but at that time, for the main promoter, you know, in Eddie Hearn and Matram to go leave leave the biggest platform in Sky and go to the Zone, I think is is really damaging for uh, for boxing. There's some whispers out there about Sky and them looking at their their boxing output. Um, yeah, it's. It's it's worrying, and then obviously over in the states, you've got PBC. They they they're leaving Showtime. Um, there's some rumours about the go of Amazon, but they've gone really quiet. Um, it's a concern. It's a concern, you know. But boxing's had these kind of troughs before. Um, I'm sure it will have more peaks. There's plenty to look forward to. Um, there's still plenty, plenty of really good fighters out there. We just need these guys to be promoted better. Um, and the other thing, Paul, is these bloody promoters and these bloody broadcasters have to start working together because MMA and influencer boxing is a real threat. So treat it, treat both of them like a real threat. Start working together um, and start making the biggest fights. Put on big tournaments. You know, the World Boxing Super Series is great, but let's do it. At, let's take it to the next level. Let's, you know, the last first two or three were perhaps, you know, not stars. There was no stars in them fights. We've got stars out of them. You know, let's take it to the next level now. Let's let's do a boxing super series, you know, with Usyk Joshua Fury, you know, or the light heavies of Bivol and Better Biev, or you know, Spence and Crawford and everybody. You know, let's take this to the next level now. So no more tiptoeing. Is that fair? I agree. I mean, listen, you know, if Saudi can just sort of embrace the fact that inviting famous people to a, a boxing show is not the reason going to be that people, famous people, should want to attend a fight because of how big the fight actually is. You know, Arturo Gatti against Ward, everyone wanted was jumping over themselves to want to be there. Every celebrity was everyone wanted to be there. Um, the, 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 the promotion with Nganu that was there, it was, um, he'd invited the audience to a better extent before the fight even sort of like, you know, sort of started. And, uh, and the actual promotion was crap. But yeah, if he was able to pull off, say for example, the equivalent of a World Boxing Series, World Boxing Super Series for, £135 and one for heavyweight, then I might start to change my opinion. Um, I mean, watch it. Guarantee you there'll be a, a Saudi promotional boxing company that will come up very soon and uh, and it'll probably take over because of the uh, the financial muscle they have in there. But come on, guys. Put on some actual boxing. None of this shit that happened recently. Yeah, here, here. All right, mate. I'm going to leave you to your evening. I very much appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully I will talk to you soon that sounds good and everyone give the podcast a follow below the belt absolutely fantastic nice one mate take care 
Social Podcast Network.